on the field and inside the clubhouse. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Now broadcasting live from American Family Field, here's Matt Foley. Solid win for the Brewers today, 5-4 over a pretty good Toronto team. Toronto makes some noise as they slowly got back into this game after being down 5-0 through 3. But the Brewers hold on. Corbin Burns becomes the first Brewers starter to pitch into the eighth inning this year. Devin Williams finishes out the eighth. Josh Hader gets the ninth inning and gets it done, even though he gives up a run. The Brewers get a couple home runs in the game. Andrew McCutcheon and Mike Brasso each go yard, and the Brewers come up with a 5-4 victory. Welcome in to Brewers Extra Innings here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley. Have you for the next hour and 12 minutes. We will be taking you until 8 o'clock this evening. If you want to join the program, multiple ways to uh, get connected with us. You can call or you can text into the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line 855-616-1620. That's 855-616-1620. Or you can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Corbin Burns might not be super happy about his overall line because he gives up three runs and he's held to uh, such a standard where three runs is uh, more than we're used to seeing him give up, but he really pitched well. And again, Pitches into the eighth inning, provides some length. You would love to see him close out the eighth, but you only need uh, Devin Williams to go out there and record one out. He only throws seven pitches. Uh, This is a really good Toronto team. This is a really good Toronto team. And I think what the Brewers show today, and it's something that we've talked about a lot, when, when they're facing off against pitching that is not great, they score runs. You say Kikuchi was not very good today. Didn't know where the ball was going. Uh, it was just, he was absolutely wild. He threw close to, what, I think more than 40 pitches there in the first inning. Like, it just, it was not his day whatsoever. Now, he wasn't helped behind him of the five runs he gives up. Only two of them are earned. But Kikuchi wasn't good, and the Brewers took advantage of it. And when when you're going up against a pitcher who's not especially good, well, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to go out and have uh, some level of success against them, and the Brewers are able to do that today. So you give them credit for uh, scoring those early runs, and you give them credit for the pitching being able to hold on against a Toronto team that I think is uh, pretty darn good. Again, 5-4 the final score. Brewers get the win over Toronto. If you want to join the program, you can do so by calling or texting the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line. 855-616-1620. You can also tweet at me if you'd like, at Matt Pauley on air. Vinny Rotino's going to join us coming up in uh, just a few minutes. We will hear the post-game comments of manager Craig Council. We'll go back through the game with the highlights. A lot to get to, and we'll continue on in just a moment. This is Brewers Extra Innings. It's Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Pauley on WTMJ. The pitch. Williams swing a line drive. Face hit to center. With a big two-out base hit, line single in the center, picks up the RBI number 38 on the year. A 5-4 win for the Brewers today over Toronto. Brewers Extra Innings does continue here on WTMJ. If you want to join the program, my name is Matt Pauley, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can also tweet into the program at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Brewers, uh, even up the series at a game apiece. They'll wrap things up coming up uh, tomorrow afternoon, the pitching matchup tomorrow, Chichi Gonzalez against Jose Barrios, but the Brewers get the win today with Corbin Burns on the mound. Burns once again 
pitching the Brewers to victory. You give him runs, and you're going to win games, and that's exactly what the Brewers did. The Brewers scored five runs in the first three innings, and then they just let Burns kind of roll from there. Now, Toronto, again, good offensive club, really good offensive club. As you, you look at the team batting averages, Toronto hits 255 as a team. The Brewers hit 232. You go up and down the lineup for Toronto, and just about everybody is hitting 250 or above where the Brewers, they've got Mike Brasso at 282, and uh, Jonathan Davis is at 267 technically in a very small sample size. Uh, but outside of that, uh, you don't have guys hitting 250. So this is a really, really good uh, Toronto offensive club, and they make noise. They, they're able to kind of come their way uh, back into it. Uh, they, they even score against Josh Hader, something that not many teams have been able to do this year. But again, you, you give Corbin Burns runs, and I, I was a little surprised, to be perfectly honest with you, that, and I, I agreed with the move. Like, I, I didn't expect the move, but I agreed with the move to bring Burns back out for the eighth inning. Um, because, you know, 93 pitches, Brewers were kind of in control of the game. Just it, it felt like that was the moment to maybe take him out of the contest. And you know, 93 pitches is a solid amount of pitches, but it's not like he's being overly worked. Uh, you, you can go right to Williams and Hayter at that point and feel very comfortable with that. But Burns has kind of earned at this point the opportunity to go as long as he possibly can go. So he's allowed to throw the 105 pitches. He just couldn't quite get that final out there in the eighth inning. It was some weak contact, just a weak roller down the third base line that ended up being the hit that knocked him out of the game. But yeah, I mean, that was, I was a little surprised. I think a lot of people in the press box were surprised. There were tweets that were being sent out from, uh, from Brewers Media saying, well, that's probably it for Corbin Burns through seven innings, 93 pitches. Like, it just felt like. That was the moment his day was going to be done, and it wasn't. And I'm glad it wasn't. I, he's he's your guy right now, and this is a really good Toronto team. I think that's the other side of it. You know, the Brewers are kind of treading water right now. And you, when you've got the opportunity to win a game, the way things are going right now, you don't do anything that puts that in jeopardy. So you let Burns go as long as he can possibly go, and maybe that ends up paying out dividends. We don't know how that inning would, would have gone, had Devin Williams been out there. Maybe Williams goes out and throws 15 pitches, and it's a no-big-deal sort of thing. But he throws seven, and he's he's available for sure for tomorrow if you need him. You know, If Williams goes out there and pitches the eighth today, and let's say it turns into a 25- or a 30-pitch inning for him, well, then all of a sudden he's not available tomorrow. So it's little moves, and we never know what the other side of that's going to be. Again, we don't know what would happen in the eighth inning if Devin Williams would have started it again. He could have had a... Nice, easy 12, 15-pitch inning and been totally ready to go tomorrow. But he could have also thrown 25-plus pitches, and then that could have potentially uh, changed things for tomorrow. Everything's con- That's one of the things I love about baseball. At w- the everyday nature of the game makes every decision, not only, not every decision, but many decisions, not only impact what's going on that day, but it can impact the next day and the day after that and the day after that. And we don't know. We will never know what Corbin Burns pitching in the eighth inning might mean. If the Brewers win tomorrow, it might have been a win that is somehow connected uh, to that decision to allow Burns go into the eighth inning today. Again, it's all these hypotheticals. We never really, uh, we never really know. Um, 
what what's going to happen, but that's the way uh, that's the way things are. 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can also tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Vinny Rotino, former brewer and Bally Sports Wisconsin analyst. He's going to join me coming up after the news. The news starts in two minutes here on WTMJ. To left and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here! Gone for Andrew McCutcheon. It's a two-run blast for the Brewers. DH today. William Adams scores in front of him. McCutcheon with number six on the year. A line drive rocket out of here in left. And the Brewers out a couple of more. They end up winning by a 5-4 score. Welcome back in. It's Brewers Extra Innings here on WTMJ. If you want to join us, 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620. The Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My name is Matt Pauley. Vinny Rotino here as well. And Vinny, we were talking earlier. I mean, this is just a this is a really good win. They score early runs. They give Corbin Burns a lead. He pitches all the way into the eighth inning, and they're able to hand it off to uh, Devin Williams for an out and Josh Hader to cover the ninth. And turns out having a multiple run lead was a big deal because Hader does give up a run today but nothing more and that's a good win against a good team blue jays are a tough club um probably one of the toughest clubs that they've faced so far this year um getting that five run early lead is absolutely huge for this team um you know we talked about the script of this game and how the brewers win it's get the early lead you know, have a starter go deep and then hand it over to Williams and Hayter. And Williams got a really big out, right? Alejandro Kirk is one of the hottest hitters in all of baseball. He was able to strike him out, and then Hayter came on and closed the door enough to get the win. Um, but, yeah, I, I think uh, I think Corbin Burns was absolutely filthy today um, against a really good lineup that ended up scoring three runs against him. I don't think, I don't think the Brewers are going to face, unless they play the Yankees or when they play the Yankees, I, think, I don't think the, they're going to face another lineup like this. You talk a lot, Vinny, about when a team scores runs. Like yesterday, they score four runs, but they really didn't score four runs because a couple of runs coming when it really didn't matter and the game was, for all intents and purposes, over. Today, they get the early runs, and the way this team is built with the high-leverage relief pitching that they have, it makes all the difference in the world when you take that early lead. Yeah, it's a great recipe for, for wins, right? I mean, in the fact that you have... A Corbin Burns that can go that deep into the game, and you didn't need to bridge anybody to the back end of the bullpen. You had Corbin Burns do that. He bridged it to, to Williams and Hayter. But, yeah, it's when you score, uh, especially for this team. Not, not every team has this luxury of having two guys. Look, Devin Williams and Josh Hader are number two and number three in all of baseball in terms of strikeout percentage. That means... They're really nasty, right? So they can shut down lineups. Uh, the game is essentially over when you hand the ball to them. And uh, a lot of teams don't have that luxury. Need to have a lead in order to do that. Uh, and the Brewers were able to follow that script today. 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's grab our first phone call of the program. Sparky is in Madison. Hey, Sparky, you're on WTMJ. Okay, Matt, thank you uh, for taking my call. Uh, I just wanted to throw this in here. In today's uh, starting lineup, and we're not counting Burns the pitcher, but of the position players, Keston here is the only guy that has come through the Brewer Farm system. And when was the last time that you can think of 
that the Brewers had an impact position player on their roster that's really made a, a real impact. We haven't seen that in God knows how long, and I, you haven't been around as long as a lot of us have, but does that speak, how does that speak about the farm system? Because we haven't seen anybody coming to the forefront, and when you saw Toronto today, they've got some guys that have come through their system that look like they're really have got great futures in the big league. So i just like to throw that out and see what you might have to say about that. Yes, Sparky, it's a really interesting question. I think there's two things going on here. First off, you're right. like the, They are not bringing the impact bats. I mean, you can go back to you know the, the, the bronze and fielders and everybody and that, that sort of thing. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, in recent history over the last few years, we have not seen the impact bats come up. But, Vinny, I think part of that is I think this organization kind of has a philosophy that pitching is really expensive, hitting is not as expensive. So develop your pitching because that's where you get the more cost-controlled players and use, um, use your, your high-level draft picks to get pitching. If you need to pull off trades, try to give up hitters and not pitchers, and you can go because you look at where the money has been spent by this organization in recent years. The money is spent on position players, the pitchers are developed. Uh, so, yeah, we can talk about the failure of the organization to produce high-level impact position players, but I think that also has something to do with a strong focus on producing pitchers. So this is a really good question. It's a really good discussion, really good conversation. I see your point, Matt. I see Sparky's point. Um, here's my take on this. Okay, let's take t- let's take the Blue Jays for example. They have all these homegrown bats in their lineup. They're young, they're talented, they're going to be there for a long time. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, Alejandro Kirk. Uh, there's some really interesting names here. Lourdes Goriel was signed by them out of Cuba. Kevin Biggio. So okay, now what about their pitchers? So they don't have any homegrown pitchers except Alec Manoa. He was a draft. Okay, but they signed Kikuchi. Um, they just don't have a lot of homegrown pitching talent. Now the Brewers do. So it just you can't do both in the draft. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of like you know the Green Bay Packers, right? You can't you can't fill your whole team in the draft and develop all these guys. You, you're going to have to go and sign some guys. You're going to have to go acquire some guys via trade. The Brewers just happen to right now have that on the pitching side of things. Um, they have some bats coming. Yep. I mean, Joey Weimer is a bat that's really interesting. Um, and remember the name Jackson Chirio. He is a name in A-ball. Uh, so, so it's a really good question. It's, it's to be determined. These things are cyclical with baseball. Um, but it, it is worth a discussion. I, I like that question. Right now, according to MLB Pipeline, the top seven prospects in the organization are all position players. Yeah, Bryce Terang. I love Bryce Terang. There's a lot of people in the organization that love Bryce Terang. I don't know if he's going to be ever be like an impact, like or they call it like a roll seven, like an MVP-type guy, maybe not even an all-star-type producer defense, or, uh, offensively, but he's going to do a lot of things. He's going to be like a Tommy Edmond. Just think of him like that, a really, um, a really productive, a really uh, can contribute to wins. You also have a, a Sal Frey, like a Joey Weimer, and then that Jackson Trio. He's, Jackson Trio is the number three process, 
prospect in the Brewers system. He's out of the Dominican Republic. He's a very dynamic player, very talented, quick hands type of guy that really has a, a chance to make an impact at the major league level offensively. And same with Joey Weimer. So, um, yeah, I think, again, it's cyclical. I think we're going to maybe have a different conversation in five years, right? Where are the, where are the arms? Right. <laughs> you know, so it's just that's just how it works. You, you mentioned Tommy Edmond. I don't know. He is the war leader right now in Major League Baseball along with uh, Sandy Alcantara. So if you're talking about a guy who is um, going to make an impact like that, I think Brewers fans will take it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so yes, Tommy Edmond might not have been a, a – well, look, Tommy Edmond, that's the thing that he brings to the table. It's defense, it's instincts on the bases, and then he can also hit. So, you know, perhaps maybe Bryce Terang turns into that. So uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but I, I, the point is, I love Bryce Terang, and he's a guy that's coming. Let's grab another phone call. Casey's in Milwaukee. Hey, Casey, you're on WTMJ. Casey, you there? Casey's not here anymore. Casey, call back if you'd like to get onto the program. 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, if you want to, uh, again, contact me, you can also uh, tweet into the program at Matt Pauley on air. Let's grab a couple of uh, text messages before we uh, get to a break, if I can get my computer to go up to the uh, text message screen. Yep, Mike in Colorado says, Matt and Vinny, that was a baseball game. Fun to listen to. Key hits, couple home runs, key pitching, and some suspense against a good team with big hitters. Tyrone Taylor keeps contributing, and today he got them going. Eight team hits is not great, but it was good enough. Hopefully they can carry over some momentum to tomorrow. And also uh, Mike mentions that it is his birthday today, and he's 68 years old. So happy birthday uh, to uh, to Mike in Colorado. Yeah, I mean, this was a really fun game. The only thing I would say, Vinny, is when the Brewers get five runs in the first, what, three innings, you'd like to see them maybe tack on another run or two as the game went along. No, th- yeah. No, and, thank- and happy birthday, Mike, by the way. But, yeah, I, I agree. I agree, Matt. They're, you know, they-, they just go quiet after the third inning, especially against a bullpen that's fifth worst in all of baseball in giving up runs and team ERA or in bullpen ERA is the Toronto Blue Jays bullpen. They've really been taxed especially getting into the bullpen that early into the game. Kikuchi only went two innings through 69 pitches in two innings, so they should have been able to to tack something more on, although Castillo pitched really well. They still, again, need to find a way just to, just to get some extra base runners, get a blue pit, something like that, just at least one more um, after the Brasso homer, but they couldn't do so. I want to make mention of something, because if we're going to be critical of this team at times when it's the exact opposite – we need to put it in focus. And you know, specifically the other day, I, I'm remembering the Jack Flaherty game where they really let Flaherty off the hook. Flaherty was not throwing strikes, and they didn't do much against him. Today, Kikuchi isn't throwing strikes, and they don't let him off the hook. This was When you're facing a pitcher who maybe doesn't completely know where it's going, you've got to find some success, and they were able to do that against him today. The, great point, Matt. Great point. Yeah, I mean, I guess in the in the first they did let, let them off the hook with the bases loaded and they didn't tack another one on. But in the second they go ahead and do so with that Andrew McCutcheon home run, jumped on a first pitch fastball, 94 miles an hour right down the middle. And that's what you do want to see from this team. Mistakes that are made by the opposing pitching staff, they jump all over. McCutcheon did a great job of that. And, um, and yeah, and Willie Adamas added another single too. And so um, great point. 
That's what I try to do every once in a while. <laughs> if I can get a great point out of Vinny, then I'm uh, then I am good to go. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Brewers get the win today as uh, they defeat Toronto by a five four score. More in a moment here on WTMJ. It's Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Foley on WTMJ. The pitch. Williams swinging a line drive. Base hit to center. Willie Adamas with a big two-out base hit. Line single in the center. Picks up the RBI number 38 on the year. 5-4, Brewers get the win today as they knock off the Toronto Blue Jays. Series will wrap up tomorrow. Winner of tomorrow's game will take the series. My name is Matt Pauley, former Brewer Vinny Rotino here as well. If you want to join us, 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, or you can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air. we got Casey in Milwaukee back. Hey, Casey, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello, Matt. How you doing? Good. Hello, Matt. Yep, you're on the air. Go ahead, Casey. Okay. Okay, I gotta tell you something. I'm 86 years old, and I feel great. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I was looking five years ahead, so uh, I want to talk to you about hitting and pitching. Okay. I don't want to talk about any particular player. I want to give you some uh, information, and uh, this is coming from the mouth of a professional hitting diagnostician. So. Oh, by the way, I'm also I'm also the official spokesperson for uh, Team Rehab. That's where all the athletes go to get uh, back into shape. You know what I mean? I Anyhow, so. uh, go ahead. Yeah. Okay, so talking about pitching and hitting, I disagree with you from the standpoint of you hand the ball over to uh, a special pitcher and the game is over. That to me is a uh, a misnomer. But anyway, every every pitcher in Major League Baseball has at least two, three, maybe even four different pitches. And every hitter in Major League Baseball basically has only one swing. So when a pitcher is on and all the swings are, are the same, I mean, if the, if the pitch isn't right with that when that hitter wants the ball, it's going to be a strikeout every time. That's what I call a tsunami swing. So uh, I was always interested in giving hitters two, three, or four different swings. And you have to react in a split second for that to happen. You can't be standing there waiting and hoping that somebody's going to give you a pitch that you want to hit. You have to be prepared for anything and be able to react within a split second. Hi, Casey. I, I appreciate the phone call. And I think, I think one of the problems with what Casey is saying there, and we talked about this the other day, Vinny, is reaction time to any pitch. I mean, you've, you have to have your swing and what you're going to do with it uh, and th- that's one of the problems in baseball right now. I've, talked to, I've heard Craig Council talk about this. The pitcher initiates things. So when you are the initiator, you control everything, and that's why things like the pitching labs exist. When you're the hitter, 
you are reacting to what you are seeing and reacting to something is a lot tougher than being the initiator of something. And what that has happened is we have seen offense just plummet. Yeah, so I agree. Uh, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think Casey was kind of alluding to the fact that um, what what we see, too, is that guys are trying to swing for the fences, and so they have like a grooved path. They call that in scouting a grooved path. So, so one plane swing can't really adjust anything else. But actually what we're seeing now is a lot of the hitting labs or the hitting part of, of – uh, how hitting is taught these days is you actually have two different swings. So Casey's actually right. I don't know about four or five different swings. That'd be a little bit too difficult to differentiate between which swing you're going to go with and which particular pitch is coming at you. But at the top of the zone, guys are taught to have one kind of swing to to get on top of that high fastball that everyone's throwing, that four-seam vertical moving fastball, and then and then anything that's down. So it's it's almost like guys are – are, are preparing for that high fastball at 98 miles an hour, but they're also being able to adjust, and they call that adjustability, on pitches down. And so um, I think that is the newest and latest and part of, of the hitting philosophies that a lot of hitting coaches are teaching nowadays. Back to the phones. Calvin in New Berlin. Hey, Calvin, you're on WTMJ. Hey, guys, thanks for taking my call. Um, had the opportunity to watch the game at the stadium today. Awesome performance. Fans were uh, we're loud and, and happy to get a win, which is really much needed, I think, right now with this team. Um, you guys were talking about Toronto and their farm system, what they've got going on. I just kind of wanted to touch on that in Milwaukee a little bit. I know, you know, in the wake of Lorenzo Cain um, getting DFA from Milwaukee, um, you know, Jonathan in, uh, Davis had a start today. It wasn't fantastic. Um, certainly don't want to make any judgments this early on. It's sort of a pilot, uh, so to speak, but... Uh, you know, between Hunter Renfro and then Tyrone Taylor, who's continuously shown that he's a great asset to have both in the field and at the plate, uh, I, I kind of want to get your guys' thoughts and see what you thought about, you know, Garrett Mitchell was a, is a guy that's highly touted right now in minor league baseball. Uh, I, I wonder if it's maybe a little bit too early for him to get the call up and, uh, and again, kind of see if things work out with, with Davis right now or maybe if they'll go with that blend of, of Renfro and Tyrone and center and, and right and then uh, keep Yelich in left. But, um, you know, obviously you want to have the outfield and the, the hitting as good as it can be as you get later on to the postseason, uh, you know, to see what kind of a group that you have. But um, I was just kind of curious to see from your guys' perspective what you thought about how they might handle that situation with Locaine gone. Um, if, you know, you leave Garrett Mitchell in the minors for a little bit longer, see if things pan out with Davis and, um, you know, if, if Renfro and uh, Tyrone Taylor are your guys going forward. Yeah, appreciate the phone call. I, I don't know what Johnny Davis' future is. He, he's not a prospect. He's been around. You know, he's He's got okay big league service time coming into this year. So he was one of those minor league free agent guys, had to be added to the top 40 or to the uh, to the 40-man roster to get in there. Vinny, you've talked a lot about Joey Weimer and, and Weimer's um, – it feels like maybe he's the most major league ready of the outfielders that are top prospects right now, maybe even more so than a Garrett Mitchell. He's ranked a little bit higher than Mitchell, according to uh, MLB Pipeline. But the bottom line is when you make that move with one of those guys, whoever it is, whether it's Freelich or Weimer or Mitchell or whoever, they've got to play, and they've got to play a lot. You don't bring them up to be that fourth outfielder that might get a start or two a week. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps they bring up a Weimer later on in the season because he's going to be needing to be protected at the end of, uh, at the in this off season away from the Rule Five draft. Um, but Freilich is a name that I actually didn't bring up that 
I wasn't that uh, high on. I wasn't that not that high on him. I, I, I love Freilich. I just didn't. I forgot to mention him in that last segment. But he's a guy that really is coming on in in June here. I mean, he's hitting 906, 906 OPS, meaning on base plus slugging percentage in June here in Double A, and so he's having a great kind of uh, debut in his first season of full season baseball. And so this is a name that could man center um, for years to come. I do think Tyrone Taylor is going to continue to get that, that first crack at it, that opportunity to stay there for the long term. We'll just see how it pans out. Um, and then, yeah, John, Jonathan Davis is, is kind of a fill, and he's a fourth, fifth outfielder for this time, for the for right now. So uh, that's not going to be a guy that's going to solve that problem. But um, Weimer... Freilich, Chirio, all these guys, you throw throw them against the wall and see what sticks. One of them's going to be a really good Major League player, at least one of them. Doug texts in, says, I know you guys like the six-man rotation, but it's hard not to have this guy talk about Corbin Burns. Now, hard not to have this guy every five days. Look at what he's done just this week, saving the homestand. Starting pitching is not as good this year. Need him out there as much as possible. I think that's a great point from Doug. And you know, Vinny, we're on the same page when it comes to using that six-man or six-day rotation. They were essentially going six-day, where they had five guys when there was an off day, six guys when there wasn't an off day. You can futz around with it though, where you keep Burns on his normal schedule, and then move everybody else around. They could do that if they wanted to do that. I think it's a good point by Doug, though. Like, right now, with the way starting pitching is going, you do want Burns out there as much as possible. Yeah, uh, Corbin Burns is proving Matt and I wrong about needing a six-man rotation. I mean, especially with the performance today. What you want is, is to keep is to try and get Eric Lauer and um, Adrian Hauser performing more like they did last year. And I think that six-man rotation, that extra day of rest, could help them as well as Brandon Woodruff. Um, so I would just kind of toy with that idea. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't not have the six-man rotation just because Burns goes out there every day. I, I agree with Matt. You can, you can kind of play with the rotation, move guys around. In fact, they did that with CeCe Sabathia on a four. They tried to pitch him every fourth day, and they just kept him on that schedule and moved other guys around him. So you could do a similar thing with Burns. And I don't get the sense that if if Counts went to Burns and said, "Hey, we're going to only start you every fifth day now instead of every fourth day," or, you, you know, I, I don't think he'd be in favor of that. I think he wants to take the ball as often as he possibly can. Yes, he does. This guy is a game. He, he wants to be seen as the best pitcher in baseball, and he doesn't want to have anybody say like, "Oh, you were the best pitcher in baseball last year because you had an extra day of rest." Right. I think he wants to prove every, everybody wrong on that. And that was the conversation last year when when all the national talking heads were discussing who should win the Cy Young award when people were saying that it shouldn't have been Burns they were pointing specifically to his innings pitched and then when you were comparing his innings pitched to what other guys were doing and innings pitched and you said well for him to have you know dropped all the way back to where these other guys are he would have not given up this many runs in this few innings so like it was to me it was it was an irrational discussion but it was out there there was a lot of people who thought that he didn't totally earn it because of innings pitched and i never agreed with that narrative yeah zach wheeler pitched over 200 innings and then max scherzer pitched about 18 more innings i believe and they both had the argument that they should win the cy young some voters thought that those guys should have won the cy young over Burns, but at the end of the day, I think Burns wants to prove every every doubter wrong on that. Um, but here's the thing: 
Uh, Max Scherzer is has a hurt elbow this year. Jacob Degrom has <laughs> battled injuries pretty much his entire career. So, so for his sake, for Corbin Burns' sake, for his longevity, you know, I, I would just kind of consider having that extra day of rest. But Doug makes a great point. You, the Brewers kind of need him out there every fifth. I do think last year it was more reckless, though, because last year you're coming off a 60-game season. This year you're coming off the 162, so at least arms are more prepared for it this year. Yeah, no, that's a great point as well. So that's two great points by you this episode, <laughs> Matt. But, um, yeah, so... I mean, it's just a conversation to be had. Maybe a six-man rotation, though, going forward, regardless of the season before and the innings pitched before, is something that's smart to do. I mean, the Brewers really, they stayed healthy pretty much all year last year with all their starters. Now this year, they have, they've got three guys down. Yeah. 855-616-1620, that's the Ankinet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We'll hear from Manager Craig Council next. This is Brewers Externings. Coming back. Swinging a bouncer, hit to Rowdy Tellez. This should do it. It's over. And the Brewers take game two. Brewers pick up the win. They hold on 5-4 over the Blue Jays today. Welcome back in. Brewers Externings continues live at American Family Field. My name is Matt Pauley. Manager Craig Council spent some time with the media just a little while ago. As you might expect, he uh, spoke about the starting pitcher today, Corbin Burns. Yeah, I mean he's it's I, he's been great in the vast majority of starts, um, and um, you know it's 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 kind of a stopper. Um, it's length in the game, um, you know it's zeros. Uh, so there's you know it's a when you have a guy like that, you're you know you you know when his spot when you know when his turns coming up um, that you're going to get a really good effort and, and you're going to get deep into a game and you're going to have a lot of zeros um and uh he's he's continued uh picked up right right where he left off last year and just pitching wonderfully what did you like most about him tonight what was, what was working for him well i mean i thought you know just where he got in the game i mean i don't i don't think he was you know there was a point where he had had just the first 30 pitches he was getting outs but it was it was there was a lot of balls actually in there um and then as as the game kind of got into the middle innings i thought he really got cooking and really got kind of everything working slider was good i thought it was off breaking stuff was really good today um and that that slowed their hitters down enough where um you know the cutter kind of got better as the game went along craig we have to be pitching with the lead too you know and them adding on to the lead i mean he doesn't give in at all right i mean that's part of what makes him yeah i mean he you know he um I, I, you're right, and I think you know you spot a guy like that a lead, and, and you you just feel like he's going to take it from there. And, and I thought he did. I mean, they, they obviously put a couple runs on the board, but you know where he got us in the game um, was so important, and it, it it affects tomorrow's game. You know, and that's that's what great starters do. They have the ability to get deep into games, and then affect affects the next couple of days' games. He would have been right around 100 pitches if he could have gotten a shutout. Would you give him a shot to start the ninth at least at that with that pitch count? Do you think? Or I don't know. The if questions are, you know. Are you getting so much more from McCutcheon? Uh, how important is that? Like Rowdy talked last night, he feels like this offense is going to need more from the guys in the middle. Yeah. You know, and McCutcheon's been starting to give it to you a little bit. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think you know, in the middle of the order, you're, you're, they're they're hitting there for a reason to to because we think we can get damage from them. Um, and I, you, I mean, Kutch is kind of as we've gone, he's just kind of kept getting a little bit better and and um, the, the starting to drive the ball. Um, it's it's obviously a big deal. I mean, putting runs on the board fast like that is. Um, you know, we talk about it all the time. It's tough to string together rallies in this league now, the way the pitching is. And um, a mistake that you can hit out of the park is um, is a great way for offense. And those guys in the middle, you're you're counting on those guys to do that. Also, how good was it to see Mike Brasso get that home run? You know, just coming back as well. Yeah, I mean, just another piece, and then against left-handed pitching, that's his that's his role. Um, so the just the hit by pitch in the first, um, just kind of extending the inning even, and forcing a really tough inning for their starter, and then and then the home run, um, you know, part of the that that got him out of there. So um, you know, their bullpen did a nice job. Um, Castillo did a great job for him, getting getting a bunch of innings. But we we got a starter out of there early, and, and and Mike was a big part of that. That's manager Craig Council speaking with the media just a little while ago as the Brewers hold on and they knock off the Blue Jays today by a five four score. How did it all go down? We'll tell you with the highlights. That's next. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Ready for this? Get up! This? Get up! And this? Get up! Time for tonight highlights. Here's Matt Foley. 5-4, Brewers knock off the Blue Jays. Pitching matchup for the Brewers. Corbin Burns on the mound. Yusei Kikuchi getting the start for the Blue Jays. For Burns, it was another good day for him. First battery faces Kevin Biggio. He strikes out swinging. The next hitter is Bo Bichette. 2-2 and coming back. Here it is. Hey, struck him out on a low outside breaking ball. Now Caratini picks it up and throws him out at first. Another strikeout for the crew and for Burns. Yeah, so he gets a strikeout in the first two batters he faces, puts up a zero in the top of the first, bottom of the first inning. Brewers take the early lead with one out. Willie Adamas walks with two outs. Luis Urias gets a base hit, so runners on at first and second for Tyrone Taylor. And Moreno doing the catching. Swing the drive to the gap in left center. Get down, baby. Base hit. Into score is Willie Adamas. To third goes Luis Urias. And Tyrone Taylor delivers again. As Kikuchi is around 40 pitches in the inning, he hits Mike Brasso with a pitch that loads the bases with two outs for Victor Caratini. Bullpen for Toronto is quiet for the moment. Oh, change up, swing and a miss, struck him out. And he gets out of it with no further damage, but the Brewers get the lead. They leave the bases loaded. It's 1-0 Milwaukee on the Brewers radio network. Felt like it could have been more runs in the first, but they took care of that in the second inning where Keston Hira leads the inning off by reaching on an air. He ends up at second. Uh, the next two outs are recorded on a strikeout of Jonathan Davis and Christian Yelich, but then a wild pitch moves Hira to third. After that, Willie Adamas does this. The pitch. Willie is swinging a line drive, base hit to center. Willie Adamas with a big two-out base hit. Line single in the center. Picks up the RBI, number 38 on the year. Makes it a 2-0 game, and then Andrew McCutcheon doubles the lead with one swing of the bat. 
Kikuchi is running in for McCutcheon to left and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here! Gone for Andrew McCutcheon. It's a two-run blast for the Brewers' DH today. Willie Adamas scores in front of him. McCutcheon with number six on the year. A line drive rocket out of here in left. And the Brewers out a couple of more. You say Kikuchi is allowed to come back out for the third inning. That might not have been a great decision. The first battery faces is Mike Brasso. 1-0 coming. And a swing and a fly ball out to left. Back at the track and Brasso. Home run. Welcome back, Mike Brasso. His fourth of the season. The Brewers lead 5-0. And that was it for Kikuchi as he goes just the two-plus innings and gives up five runs. Trent Thornton then comes into the game, and little did we know it at the time, that would be it in terms of Brewers scoring. We would not hear from them again. The Blue Jays would slowly but surely start to get back into this game. It would start in the fifth inning when Matt Chapman leads things off. First pitch swinging, hits a high drive out to left center, back Davis, and it's gone. Matt Chapman on an ambush pitch, hits it out for a solo home run. He's got both hits for Toronto. His 10th home run of the season makes it a 5-1 ball game. Lourdes Aguriel Jr. would then double and move to third on a flyout with score on a Biggio ground out. Two runs in the fifth inning for the Blue Jays makes it a 5-2 game. In the sixth inning, Corbin Burns does continue to pitch. He strikes out Vladimir Guerrero Jr. after issuing a walk to Alejandro Kirk. He faces off against Teoscar Hernandez. A pitch, bouncer, double play ball, could be to second one on the relay. Yes, got him. And the inning is over. Six to four to three. They turn another double play. Corbin Burns throws a scoreless seventh inning. At that point, he's at 93 pitches, and you thought he might be done for the day, but not so fast. He comes back out for the eighth inning. First Brewer starter to get into the eighth inning this year. First battery faces Gabriel Moreno. He lines out, then Kevin Biggio strikes out. So there's two outs in the inning, and he faces off against Bo Bichette. Swing and a drive into center and deep. Davis is going to be out of room. Got out of here, and it's 5-3 now on the home run by Bichette with two down. Yeah, he's given, uh, he gets the, becomes a two-run game at 5-3, and he's given the opportunity, one more opportunity, to get the final out of the eighth as he faces off against Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Here he comes. Hey, sends a bouncer. This is going to be a tough play. Pick won't happen. Guerrero's going to have an infield base hit on a swinging butt up along third. Brasso made the charge. The only way he had any kind of a chance was a barehanded pickup. And that didn't happen. As a soft contact ends the day for Burns, Devin Williams comes on to pitch, and he faces off against Alejandro Kirk. Here it is. Hey, struck him out swinging. After a couple of fastballs, he gets him on the changeup. Big strikeout for Devin Williams. Brewers get a hit, nothing more in the bottom of the eighth inning, and we go to the ninth inning with the Brewers holding a two-run 5-3 lead. 
New pitcher into the game is Josh Hader. First batter he faces off against is Hernandez. Ready to go. Here he comes again. Hey! Struck him out. Swinging. And there is one away. That brings up the pinch hitter, Santiago Espinal. Hoping to get a win here today and the finale tomorrow, the pitch. Hey! Struck him out. Swinging. Matt Chapman, though, he then doubles. So there was two strikes, and he was able to fight off some good pitches, and eventually uh, Chapman does double, and it brings up, once again, Guriel. Here comes Josh, line to right field. This could score a run. The play coming home, and he's going to be in there. It's 5-4 now, and the Jays continue. Yeah, so all of a sudden they have the tying run on base. They have the potential go-ahead run at the plate as Gabriel Moreno stands in. Hater coming back. Swinging a bouncer. Hit to Rowdy Tellez. This should do it. It's over. And the Brewers take game two. 5-4 the final with the victory. The Brewers go to 41-33. and The Blue Jays drop to 40-31. and Winning totals for the Brewers. Five runs, eight hits, no errors. They leave nine for Toronto. Four runs, seven hits, one error. They leave five. The winning pitcher, Corbin Burns, he goes to six and four. Yusei Kikuchi takes the loss, dropping two and four. Josh Hader the save. It is his 22nd of the year. Home runs, McCutcheon his sixth, Brasso his fourth for Toronto, Chapman his tenth, and Bichette his twelfth. The game lasting three hours and ten minutes, played in front of a crowd of 34,768 folks here at American Family Field. Brewers, they uh, get the win today. They knock off the Blue Jays by a 5-4 score. When we return, we'll get you scores from around baseball, and we'll get you set for the series finale, which is uh, coming up tomorrow afternoon. That's next. This is Brewers Extra Innings. 5-4. Brewers get the win over the Blue Jays today. We continue on at American Family Field. Just a few moments left in the program. Some of the post-game notes, courtesy of the Brewers Public Relations Department, Corbin Burns. It's the longest start by a Milwaukee pitcher this season at seven and two-thirds innings, and it's his longest outing since going eight innings against Cleveland in September of last year. Since the beginning of the 2021 season, Burns has a major league best 20 games with nine or more strikeouts. Devin Williams gets his one out. He's unscored upon over the course of his last 18 outings. That's 17 and a third innings, and during that stretch, Hitters are hitting 089 against him. That's 5 for 56. He has 27 strikeouts and three walks uh, during that period, which is certainly uh, remarkable. Andrew McCutcheon, when you look at what he's done over his last 18 games, he is batting 365, 23 for 63, with an OPS over 1,000. If you were one of those folks that when Andrew McCutcheon was in his big slump, coming off his time away from the club due to COVID, and you're the per- people that were tweeting at me that the Brewers need to release Andrew McCutcheon. It's just a good example of times that you need to slow your roll a little bit. It's a long baseball season. Slumps don't mean that players need to be let go. And not that McCutcheon's going to keep up this pace. He's probably not. hitting 365 every 18-day games with an OPS over uh, 1,000. That is... Um, 
That is certainly, as I said, uh, remarkable. Doug Kern on Twitter noting that uh, most saves through 75 games of a season for uh, in the history of the Brewers. Francisco Cordero in, uh, in 2007 has uh, 27. In 2014, he had 23. And then uh, Josh Hader, he is at 22. So he's actually uh, so he's a little bit lower on that list. And then in far, as far as uh, most strikeouts in the first 15 uh, appearances of a season in Brewers history, you had Corbin Burns in 2021 that set the mark on those numbers at 128. But he is starting to catch up this year as he is now at uh, 119 uh, at this point in time. So the strikeouts just continue to be, uh, again, it's just it's something really special that we're seeing from Corbin Burns where every single time he goes out, he's uh, certainly striking a whole bunch of guys out. All right, let's go around the National League Central, the game that most Brewers fans have their eye on, the Cardinals and the Cubs with the Brewers win if the Cardinals lose. The Brewers would have been back alone in first place. However, that does not happen. The Cardinals come up with a 5-3 win against the Cubs. Uh, the Cubs tied the game up with two runs in the top of the eighth inning, but then the Cardinals come back with two runs in the bottom of the eighth to get the 5-3 uh, lead. Miles Michaelis made the start for St. Louis. Again, he play, pitches well. Six innings, one run on four hits, nine strikeouts, one walk. He does not factor into the decision, but he does drop his ERA down to a 2.57 with that appearance. Uh, for the Cubs, Adrian Sampson was on the mound. He went five innings, allowing two runs on four hits, five strikeouts, two walks. He also did not factor in to the decision. The Reds and Giants are in action as we speak. Right now, the Giants are leading this game by a 6-1 score. The game is in the bottom of the fifth inning for the Reds. Mike Miner is still pitching. He got the start so far. He's gone four and two-thirds innings, allowing six runs on eight hits, four strikeouts, two walks. The Reds getting their one run of the day, courtesy of uh, Nick Senzel. He drove it in. And then the Pirates, uh, they were playing in Tampa today against the Rays. And Tampa comes away with a 6-5 win against the Pirates, so another competitive day, but the Pirates end up losing. JT Brubaker made the start for the Buccos. He went six innings, allowing three runs on nine hits, six strikeouts, no walks. Probably the guy that not many people are talking about in Major League Baseball this year but should be talking about plays for the Pirates and Jack Sawinski. He is a rookie, and he hit his 12th home run of the year today. He leads all rookies in that category. So 12 home runs for uh, Sawinski for the Pirates. This is a, a young Pirates team. You know, they, they're, they are perpetually rebuilding, but maybe this is the time where this young group of players that they have is actually going to be the group that, uh, that kind of turns into something. It feels like they kind of have something going, just a little bit of momentum here at the moment. Diego Castillo also hit a home run for the Pirates in that game. Moving around the Brewers minor league system, we'll start with Low A Carolina. They lose at Down East. 5 nothing was the final score of that game. High A Wisconsin, they are in action as we speak right now. Uh, in Appleton, top of the sixth inning, they lead Quad Cities by a 3-2 score. Colton Wong opening up a uh, rehab assignment with the Timber Rattlers. He led off, and he's the DH so far. He has gone 0-3 today with a run scored, and he is still in the game. Again, he's DHing, but it looks like he is still active in that game. Double-A Biloxi, they are in action right now as they uh, are at home against Pensacola, 1-1 in the sixth inning, and then Triple-A Nashville at home against Quinnette. 
That's a one nothing game. Gwinnett is leading, and that is currently in the bottom of the fourth inning. Once again in our game, Brewers, they get the win over Toronto by a 5-4 score, and that sets us up for the series finale tomorrow afternoon here at American Family Field. For the Brewers, it's going to be Chichi Gonzalez on the mound as he is set to make his second start with the team. Gonzalez comes into the contest with an 0-1 record and a 7.36 ERA. He'll be opposed by Toronto right-hander Jose Barrios, 5-3, and, uh, and 5.11 ERA, 110 first pitch, network coverage at 1235. I've got you for Brewers warm-up at 12 o'clock before the game, and then I'll talk to you with Brewers extra innings after the game here on WTMJ.